0: Hi, I'm Cynthia, the spontaneous F-bomb-dropping Virgo who likes to sort socks. And I'm Michelle, the highly inquisitive, science-loving hypnotherapist who reads and walks a whole lot. You're You're listening
1: listening
0: to It's All Connected. Connected. We decided to start this podcast because we are wildly curious and we want to talk about how events are connected, like spirit, business, love, and relationships, especially if the cause isn't obvious. We're also going to be talking about self-expansion and life's true purpose, because it's our belief that there
1: are invisible cosmic forces tying things together, often in unexpected and wonderful ways.
0: We want to learn how people think about connections, making space for serendipity, the unknown and magic. Nerd out with us and have fun along the way. Follow us and expand your sense of what's possible, because it's It's all connected. connected. Welcome! Today we're doing something just a little different on It's All Connected. Michelle Walters here. I'm doing a solo episode without Cynthia and taking the opportunity to speak with leadership trainer Michelle Teague. With over 15 years of experience, Michelle Teague has conducted training and spoken across the USA and internationally. She has given thousands of presentations. Her accomplishments include creating a new hire orientation program, developing a leadership training program for new supervisors and managers, and speaking, presenting at various conferences. Michelle is a certified executive coach with clients in many different industries. She is also a DISC certified consultant who can help you and your team discover your preferred leadership and communication styles. This can lead to reduced conflict and increased productivity. In addition, Michelle is a leadership expert certified and licensed by the Maxwell Leadership Team to bring proven leadership strategies and practices on behalf of John Maxwell that organizations would not otherwise have access to. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me on, Michelle. Great. It's the episode of the Michelles. Who knows if this will ever happen again. So um, (laughs) I am curious about how you came to be a leadership trainer. How did you get into this line of work?
1: It started out many, many years ago. I was a corporate trainer for a senior living community um, organization. and, And Uh, What I would see happen, I would see happen in different industries later on in in my career, but what I would see happen is these really good people would get promoted into leadership roles. And there'd be lots of emails going out congratulating them and lots of phone calls to introduce them to their new team and and lots of excitement and lots of congratulations. And then about six months later, there would not be, be the same type of energy. You'd hear these whispers of did we make the wrong choice? Should we have gone with somebody else? Were they really ready for this? Uh, People would be questioning whether this leader was the right person for that particular position. And it wasn't because they didn't want to succeed. It wasn't because that new leader went into the job thinking, oh, I'm going to go in there and screw up royally. Usually it was because they didn't receive the training that they needed to be successful as a leader. They would receive training on how to complete the new spreadsheet that they were responsible for, or they would receive training on how to use the new computer programs that they now had access to. But nobody ever bothered to train them on how to be a leader. And that that's a very different skill set. Um, so I would see this happen over and over and over again. And I kept wondering, why aren't you paying attention? Why are these organizations out there who are spending a lot of time and money? I mean, they spend a lot of time and money to hire people into these positions just to let them fail. And... I asked a couple of the organizations, why don't you have training programs in place for these new leaders? And they said it wasn't worth the money to allocate for that because it would be so much easier for them to just go out and hire somebody new as opposed to spend the money to train somebody who was already in there. And I thought, how sad. Um, Yeah, that's not that's not. No, that doesn't speak well, actually. Yeah, no, it doesn't speak well at all Um, that an organization would rather put the money into the recruiting than they would into the actual person themselves. And so that's what I decided to focus on. I, I decided that while i may only be one person and actually with my husband or two people but we may only be two people but we can make a difference in the lives of the people absolutely. that we train absolutely and so that's what i do um i i started off focusing on small to medium sized companies who couldn't afford to have full-time trainers and it's just steadily grown from there excellent excellent how long have you been doing this michelle Oh my, uh, started doing, it's been uh, about four years now, four or five years now uh, since I I started doing this and there's been a lot of growth. Um, and there's a a huge need for this out there.
0: That's good to know. What do you like best about being a leadership trainer?
1: I like seeing the, I like seeing the light bulbs go off. Um, I've been, like I said, I've been a trainer for, for a long time. Um, Before I was a a corporate trainer, I was actually a faculty member for university of Phoenix online. And uh, one of the things that I I liked about training, I liked about teaching was watching the light bulbs go off when somebody would get it. Yes. And and that's the exciting part is that they realize, Oh my gosh, uh, Hey, I got this. And then the next part is, I can do this. And, and when they they realize uh, with the leadership skills, when, when they start to develop those skills, first they're kind of tentative about, can I really do this? And then when they realize, yeah, I can do this, just how much it changes them and how it truly transforms them into that leader who you know they can be. You see the potential there. They just need a little bit of help developing it. Right, right.
0: So I know you're out there talking to lots of different companies, small Mm -hmm. ones, big ones, ones nearby, ones far away. What do you see as, I mean, there's so many, there's so many problems in the world right now. (laughs) Um, Meaning that those problems are gonna sort of spill over into the world of business. You know, I think the, the level of uncertainty in our nation has increased exponentially in the last mm-hmm. few years. We've all seen a lot of things come up or go down, however you want to think about it, that nobody really could have imagined. Right. And so as this, all of this uncertainty is out there, I imagine that there are a lot of different um problems that organizations are facing right now, what do you see as one of the most common or the top two most common problems with organizations?
1: Right now, one of the biggest problems that we're running into is uh, the great resignation. Right now, that is finding and keeping good people. Uh, just about every organization I speak with will tell me they have a hard time hiring good people and they have a hard time keeping those good people. And part of it is because there are so many jobs that are available right now. Uh, But the, the other part of it is because uh, the leaders who are working for those organizations aren't necessarily good. They didn't necessarily get the training they needed to be good leaders. And, when you hire somebody if they're not treated well if they're they're not getting the support that they need if they're not um, in a, a good growth environment they'll leave because they know they can find someplace else that's better and that's one of the things that i tend to focus on with the training that we're doing now is helping people uh once once people are hired is keeping them as long as possible and one of the things that many new workers value is the opportunity to learn and grow the skills that they have so that's part of what i do uh, the second big thing that i see is a lack of communication skills yeah uh, and i've seen that for for decades the uh, people within the the organization itself from the top down from the bottom up can't communicate and when you see that you you often wonder why because in the world that we live in today there are a multitude of ways to communicate <laughs> uh, i mean I, I think about my phone and it's not a phone it's <laughs> it's a communicate. i mean when you think about it just uh your phone. You could call somebody, which hardly ever happens. Um, you could text somebody. You could message somebody. You could email somebody. You've got so many different modes of communication, and organizations fail on just about every single one of them. Um, so those are the two big issues I'm seeing right now. Do you think? So I'm curious
0: because one of my hypotheses about why communication remains poor despite a multitude of channels is that there's almost too many channels yeah. or that everybody wants to pick their own channel and then you know i mean i remember in years past like one boss wanted things in email and another boss wanted a weekly meeting and another boss wanted this and this and this and um you know while i think it's it's great to have 17 ways from sunday to talk to other people it sure is a lot harder and more complicated. So, do you actually work with organizations on on ways to narrow that list, or ways to um, how, how do you how do you counsel organizations to get through those dozens of channels? Well, they got the Slack thing.
1: too, right? Uh, oh my! Oh <laughs> yeah! Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Guys, uh, just just for video meetings. I mean, think about it. You've, you've got Zoom. Uh, you've got Google Meets. You've got Microsoft Teams. I mean, you, you've got, like you said, every platform has a different way of doing things. One of the first things I do with the organizations I do a lot of training with is uh, I do disk assessments for mm-hmm. leadership mm-hmm. members and a lot of times for their team members. And that gives me several pieces of information. It it tells me what their communication preferences are and what their leadership preferences are. Um, But the other thing is, once you know what those preferences are, you can start saying, hey, most of your team prefers direct communication. Why don't we focus on methods of communication that involved direct communication? And, and it makes it a whole lot easier when you can do that, uh, yeah. when you can take a look at the different types of communication preferences and say, you know what, these two modes of communication will work best for 99% of your team. Why don't we focus on only these two modes of communication? Right. And people are okay with that. When you tell them, you know, you're wasting a lot of time duplicating messaging, You're there's you know, People are constantly trying to figure out which uh, method of communication, which platform do I need to go to to get this information from. If you limit it down to only a, a handful or just one or yeah, two. One or two. Yeah. <laughs> if we can do that, you'll be a lot more productive. You'll be a whole, whole lot yeah. more efficient. The, the communication will flow better because you won't, it won't be disjointed. You won't have part of a conversation here and another part over there. I, that makes complete sense.
0: I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to it's all connected. Today's a solo episode with just me, Michelle Walters, and I am speaking with Michelle Teague leadership coach from a Teague of your own. So as many of our listeners know, up until a couple of years ago, I worked in large and small digital agencies, mostly on really big accounts like Schwab and Clorox and Google and stuff like that. My life is a hundred percent different now Um, doing hypnotherapy and coaching, but I look back on those years in those industries and think about how mindset would have really changed a lot of workplaces really helped a lot of people. And, you know, cause from my perspective, people and organizations, I mean, while, while we like to think they use logic all the time, sometimes there's really not a lot of logic or the logic is totally hidden. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of wondering, like when you work with
1: organizations, how do you help them make good decisions and grow? Part of it goes back to to that disc that I was talking about before, where it's what, how do you approach problems? Because uh, there are some people that will run away from problems that they, they don't like conflict, um, they don't like decision making. Because what if they make the wrong decision, or what if the decision they make hurts somebody's feelings? Uh, so you've got a lot of baggage. For, for some of the, these people out there when it comes to the decision-making process itself. And when you have a little bit more insight into people and how they approach decision-making, um, how they approach the conflict that happens from the decision-making process, and also how they approach uh, the aftermath of making a decision and getting the team all on the same page and moving forward with that when you have better insight into that it's a whole lot easier before you even get into the process to look and say hey we've got a decision to make it's going to be okay as a group we're smarter than the average bear we're going to be able to come up with the right decision here. And when we do, we're going to implement it and move forward and things are going to work out well. Uh, when you can use that mindset, and, and I know you focus a lot on the mindset itself, when you can use the that mindset of this is going to be a positive outcome for us. And you go into it thinking that, as opposed to going into it and either not being sure of what your outcome is going to really look like, or even worse, having a negative mindset about this entire process and, and thinking, well, this is just going to be a complete failure. Why are we, we even bothering to do this? Yeah. Uh, the, the mindset that people have going into the decision-making process is going to be just as important, if not more important, than the actual process itself. That's really interesting that you say that.
0: So I also worked for a decision analysis company way back at the beginning of my career. And we were looking at big, huge decisions for companies, you know, like we're a power company. Should we be spending our money on generation or transmission or distribution? I mean, these were big, big Mm -hmm. decisions. One of them was actually um, Pennsylvania power and light, (laughs) since I know you're (laughs) in Pennsylvania. Um, But It was interesting, really, as I met these very senior stakeholders who were involved in these decision processes and watched how they approached uh, what we brought, which was a very structured process, Mm -hmm. um, realizing sort of how important it was to frame things correctly and to realize that you're choosing between a set of alternatives um And you're, you're doing the best you can mm-hmm. with the people and the data and the resources and everything that you got. Yeah. And um, so I, I hear you there. I think it's really important. And I think it's really important to encourage people to be uh, conscious mm-hmm. of, of making decisions that are, are good for the organization and, and sort of take, take um a balanced approach of head and heart um, into, into the decision-making ring, if you will.
1: So. I, I agree, Michelle. And part of it is you will always have this group of people who they try to analyze it to death and they, they just, they think if they just get one more piece of information, if they can just have one more, you know, Excel spreadsheet or one more chart or one more, uh, policy just one more thing that can help feed into that information that will be the piece of information that just helps them make the perfect decision and the world doesn't work that way uh at best you've you've got you know bits and pieces of information that may or may not be uh, as factual as you want them to be and you just have to rely on what you have and you have to rely on the team that you have around you um Because the the reality is things are going to change no matter what the decision is that you make. Um, Right. And and just by making the decision, you're going to start putting things into place that will make things change later on down the road. So you're never going to have all the information you need. Uh, you're you're never going to have all the buy-in that you want because uh, you were talking about making decisions using your your heart and your head. Your heart is is you you want people to buy into this. You want people to be happy. You want you you want there to be you know some some certainty and some calmness among the chaos that is going on through this process. And the reality is, you're never going to get a hundred percent buy-in. Right. Uh, you, you need you need it to go just beyond the tipping point so that the organization can move forward. Um, but uh, that's the hard part when it comes to making decisions is you need to get the the vast majority on board with this for it to go smoothly. And over time, more people will get on board with the idea. It just takes time,
0: Yeah. We, we had a very structured engineering-esque approach to things, mm-hmm. and we used to take a look at two different factors, which I don't remember the details of right now, but one of them was we used to do a lot of, I remember doing a lot of analyses of the value of information. Mm-hmm. So we had a particular methodology that we would bring to bear when an executive was like, oh, but we can't decide to do that until we know more about this. And then we would, we would put numbers in front of them and say, well, you could do this kind of study, but in point of fact, that doesn't really change your decision by yeah. more than 0.0032, you know, yeah. and that was helpful. And then the other thing that we talked about all the time was uncertainty
1: Yeah.
0: and just, you know, Hey, you think the regulators are going to choose X, but if they choose Y, you know, it, everything's up in the air again. Yeah. So uh- it's, uh, it's you really do have to do the best you can with the info you've got and and roll in a little bit of
1: gut and go from there. You know, when I look at our country right now uh, and you look at the results of the elections last week, there's a lot of uncertainty and that's reflected in how people are voting is there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And when it comes to leadership part of your responsibility as leadership is bringing a certain level of certainty to your organization and bringing a certain level of certainty to the people that you are leading and because they want to be comfortable with you being their leader and they're going to be comfortable if you give them that level of certainty yeah i think that is true i think i think our everyone our nation
0: on a political side, our mm-hmm. business leaders, our community leaders, mm-hmm. like the more, the more you can help me with that certainty and consistency, the better off I'm going to be. I, I have been seeing many clients for anxiety this year.
1: yes. And
0: sometimes that anxiety comes from a very personal issue, but there are people out there suffering from anxiety over the news, you yes. know, anxiety over climate, anxiety over All kinds of stuff, just because that level of uncertainty has gotten so high. Yes. Yes, it has. So the name of our show is It's All Connected. And I want to be sure that we talk about connections before we finish. Mm -hmm. So there are always connections. This is how I see it. I did Strength Finder, and one of my strengths is connectedness. Mm -hmm. Um, People, you know, people who know people Or you did something 20 years ago and now you need to do it here in your new job or there's some synchronicity that happens, like things just kind of work out really great and you don't even really know why. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you can
1: describe an unexpected connection that worked out really well. So years and years and years ago, uh, I was looking for a job. Um, and happened to see, oh, back before you use the internet to find jobs, happened to see a job on, uh, in a newspaper ad and the company who was hiring, um, I knew one of the people who worked there through a women's networking group that I belong to, um, uh, it wasn't like she and I were were best friends. It wasn't like we, we piled around and saw each other constantly. I knew her through this group. And so I picked up the phone and I called her. And I said, hey, Mary, I, I see y'all are hiring for a business office director. I said, what can you tell me about the organization itself? And do you think I might be a good fit for that? And so after about 20 minutes uh, of talking with her, she was just like, you, you need to come work here. She said, because <laughs> the, the experience that you have is what we're looking for. She said, and I know you're going to be a good fit because I I've seen you and I see how you operate because we're in this networking group together. So I know. This is going to work out well for our organization, and, and the cool thing is, um, I ended up getting hired. I, I was there in that position for probably close to two years, and that and then got promoted up from from there. Um, but it all came down to the connection that I had from that networking group, and some of the connections that other people have out there. They, they don't know why they're connected with this person or why they're, they're connected with this job or with this organization, but eventually it all works out and you figure out why. And that's one of the, the important things I tell people is never underestimate the power of the connections that you're building. That's very, very good advice. I've read a
0: couple of times, I don't know where it comes from, but I also work with people who are looking for jobs because I wrote a book called An Alignment of Spirit, Finding Work You Love. And one of the things that I keep reading about when people are looking for jobs is that, of course, there are times when you find work based on your strong links, Mm -hmm. on, on people you know well, you know, your dad knows somebody, your sister knows somebody, but a lot of times, more times than you might think, people find their work through the weaker links, you know through through people that you know you know them a little bit mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily know them all that well those mm-hmm. people are connected to an awful lot of opportunities and with the right approach can often make a match
1: yeah i, I remember reading about the circle of influence that that you have and it's you know, it starts with you and then it, it's your 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 inner circle, the, those people that you spend the most time with, uh, your family, your friends that, that you're closest with. And then it's the people that they know and the people that they know and the people that they know. And your circle keeps expanding based on all of those people. And, and that's it. It's all these connections that you make grows your circle of influence. Absolutely, I liked Circle of Influence so
0: well. I put it in my book. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the things I see that um, a lot of people who come to me for whatever struggle with is sort mm-hmm. of what's in their circle of control yes. versus what's in their circle of influence. Correct. And I find for a lot of people that by stepping back and making a picture and putting these things down. Can really be calming in terms mm-hmm. of recognizing, you know, okay, if you want to build more influence, you can do these things. And there are things that are going to be in your circle of control, and there are things you want to be in your circle of control that are never going to be there.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: the sooner you can accept that, the easier it is to find that that peace of mind
1: place. Exactly. Uh, and it goes back to that mindset part too uh, yep. is understanding what you can control, and what you can't control. And once you accept that life gets a whole lot easier. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on it's all connected. This has been delightful. Can you tell our listeners where they
1: can find out more about you and your business? Sure. Uh, thanks very much for inviting me on here. I've had a great time, Michelle. Uh, all the listeners out there, if you would go to my website, which is own.com, you can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. You can get in contact with me. There's also a, a gift page where you can get download all kinds of goodies on there. But I am here to help you, so please feel free to go to the website and reach out to me anytime. Wonderful. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Hi, Michelle here
0: with some holiday updates and offers. First, I wanted to let you know about my upcoming new class, Hypnosis for the Holidays, Boost Your Mood, Not Your Food, online December 6th, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Sign up on my website, michellewalters.net. I'm also doing my monthly free event. In December, it will be on December 16th at noon Pacific. Nourish and flourish. Come and spend an hour at lunchtime relaxing and focusing for the weekend. Sign ups at michellewalters.net on the classes page. And last, if you're not already on my mailing list, I'd love to add you. I'm offering a free gift of one of the recordings from my Etsy store for any new ads to my mailing list. Please sign up and join. Send me an email asking to be on my list and I will send you the details. Contact me at michellewalters.net. Cynthia and I are busy planning for our upcoming holiday episodes. So please stay tuned, put us on your subscribe or follow list so you won't miss our holiday episodes. Thanks, and Happy Thanksgiving, and Happy Holidays.
1: You've been listening to It's It's All connected. Connected.